And good evening, everyone. I think I still know how to do this. Welcome in to Tigers Tonight. I'm your host, John Maddox, joined as always by the best co-co-host in all the land. And as, as uh, Larry, we'll get to him in a second, said, uh, the ironic thing is, for those who don't know, if you've lived under a rock and don't follow me on Twitter, I've recently moved from Bartlett down to Hernando, where the palatial Marley Manor is. Um, I have a semi-palatial Maddox Manor uh, about 10 minutes from Larry. And the ironic thing is, Brian Moss, that Larry is actually with you for the first show I'm doing for my new home in Mississippi. How are you, sir? I'm doing pretty good. It's actually chilly up here in New York. I had to put pants on. I mean, it was just nuts. But uh, yeah, doing well. I, I mean, if my mail lady, if she can remember that, like, if the address is 123 to put it into the 123 box of our complex, life would be so much simpler. But uh, That's a bridge it, too far. Yeah, I know. <laughs> and speaking of Larry Marley, Larry, how in the world are you? I understand that you had a delayed flight and are currently enjoying New York traffic. I'm enjoying Queens. Uh, and Brian, I just want to say for everyone who's currently in New York, we're glad you're wearing pants. Um, so having said all that, yes, I am in, in uh, the Gotham of America and driving around right now trying to find Staten Island, which should be a last um and so so brian you and i are are sort of neighbors right now um I, i'm a whole lot closer to you than i am to john let's leave it at that pretty so, much um, yeah, it, yeah yeah but but I, I will i will simply stop and say this uh american took very good care of me today even though it was a a, a rough travel day they took very good care of of ctg and i'm i'm very appreciative that's about time somebody takes care of the CTG for a change. All right, so let's move on and let's talk some actual football. Well, kind of. Uh, the Memphis spring game, Friday night stripes, was on Friday of last week. And uh, we decided we'd do a quick show to talk a little bit about what we saw in that game. Uh, you know, I'll let, I will get into this in more in depth, but uh, just a few stats from the game. Uh, total passing was 31 of 48 for 552 yards and three touchdowns. Um, Grant Gunnell was 13 of 21 for 192 yards and two scores. Uh, Tevin Carter, who played in the quote, the longest untimed period. The way it worked is there were two 12 minute periods and the clock was run rather loosely during those two 12 minute periods. And then they played a third kind of a, I guess, more situational was the goal. Uh, and that's what got Tevin in to action. Hunter Halsey goes four for four. Uh, as, as I remark, no offense to Hunter, he's a nice young man and, and I'm sure was an outstanding high school player, but I don't want to the Memphis quarterback situation to be in a place where uh, we have to use his name uh, as, a, as an active player in a game uh, unless the game is well out of reach. Running game was a little bit of a struggle. We're going to dive into that a little deeper. 35 carries, 170 yards on the afternoon. Uh, Seth Hennigan, 11 of 20 for 194 yards. Grant Gunnell, 13 of 21, 192, two scores. Tevin Carter looked great, 138 yards and a touchdown. And, Brian, that dude, that kid has an absolute cannon for an arm. Yeah, and that's why, uh, I mean, a lot of schools wanted him. Georgia Tech, where he was uh, briefly, you know, committed to uh, or was going to commit to, you know, I mean, he's, he's a freak of an athlete. And if – you know, Memphis can hold on to him for a couple of years as, you know, Hennigan and, or, or Gunnell, uh, whoever starts, 
I think I really do think he can be the the, the first true dual threat modern quarterback in Memphis history because I, I really think he's going to be dynamic as long as he can uh, you know the 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 stuff between the ears. I mean, if he can uh, get a hold of that, I mean, he has all the physical uh, abilities and talent in the world to be successful. You know, and Larry Bryan brings up a good point with Tevin, and we'll get to Seth and Grant in a second, but, you know, the stuff between the ears is made a lot easier when you can stand flat-footed, flip your wrist, and throw a ball 70 yards downfield and hit a receiver in stride. Yeah, and, and the thing, and I, I actually wrote the article on this, uh, which is on TSR, uh, where I, I talked about that, that he not only is he the first dual threat, true dual threat in my lifetime that I know of, I think he's also probably the most physically talented throwing arm that we've had. I don't know, guys. I mean, you're going to have to go way back. Um, he, he's just got that arm. You can see the ball comes out of his hands different. And I was – John, you brought it up after, afterwards. That, that last touchdown was exactly what everybody talks about. He, he, he gets flushed out of the pocket. He's rolling to his right and just throws a dart on the money in stride impossible to defend and it was just he just flicked his wrist and boom the ball was there the first the first one was more of a pocket pass which was equally great but still i mean uh, and, and and let's be very clear here as i saw in the article he was throwing against the second teamers which somebody said well that's that that's that's the i was like no it's the you think the two deep and then the next guys so third teamers however you want to look at it that's who he was playing against, and he's just way better than them. So, um, it, it clearly, like you say, the, the, in college, he's got all the tools to, to be a, just an elite college quarterback. And, you know, it, it takes a great quarterback to throw the football, but you got to have guys catching the football. And, again, I know it's spring, and, and y'all can say what you want, but, uh, dude, Eddie Lewis – showed out on Friday night, the former Rutgers transfer. He played great on Friday. And i tell you who else, Eric Rivers was just, I'll be blunt, I'd never heard of the kid, but I know who he is now. He had three catches for 149 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Eddie Lewis hauled in three three balls for 55 yards and a touchdown. Javon Ivory had two catches for 62 yards. Uh, Rodriguez Clark, um, a paltry 72 yards per catch. Uh, two catches for 104, I'm sorry, 52 yards per catch, 104 yards on two receptions. Uh, Zach Switzer, three catches, 37. Rock Taylor, three catches, 47 yards. And you kind of saw flashes with Rock of that speed. Uh, Kobe Drake was excellent too. Uh, Drake's got great hands. That that was kind of the things that stood out to me from him. And then you spread it out a little more. Uh, Gabe Rogers did not have a great game. Uh, he did have a touchdown catch. Uh, Caden Priestcorn had a couple of receptions for four yards. But, I mean, you know, you got a guy like Brian, like Eric Rivers, who most Tiger fans have probably never heard of. And, again, in the spring game, you get a lot of these guys that aren't going to play a whole lot. But you never know, right? You know, that could have earned Rivers some more time because he played great. Yeah. <clears throat> excuse me. All it takes is, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, one injury 
for you know someone that uh, you, you haven't heard of to to pop in there and you're going to need him to or need them to you know to really show out and it's good that you know even i know it's spring glorified passing league really but i mean it's still good to see some receivers step up because you know we offensive line obviously is, is a big point that you know they need to improve on but with with uh, calvin austin gone you know someone has to show up i mean i think you know one of the things last year that we complained about that there was only calvin austin at wide receiver well now you don't even have him so you have no you know who whoever's going to be a quarterback who are they going to rely on that receiver someone has to step up uh, but you know from the spring game and everything i've heard there's at least a few guys that are looking good, but they need to continue doing good. Uh, Javon Ivory wins. If there's a courage award, he wins it. He switched to number four this year. So he learned Calvin Austin's number. Uh, kudos to him, because I don't know that I would do that. Um, I thought a lot of young guys played great. Uh, you know, when you move over to the running side of things, Brian has been the president and CEO of the J.P. Martin Fan Club. Nine carries for 29 yards. And Darius Coffey was fantastic. Uh, five carries, 33 yards, and a touchdown. Dreek Clark was just, man, that kid is so steady. Like, he's just, you know, four or five yards to carry every time. He absolutely truck-sticked somebody. I forget who it was, but uh, on a touchdown, just bowled somebody over. Uh, over real quick, before we get the quarterbacks defensively, uh, boy, Jeffrey Canton or Arku is fantastic. He – he was all over the place, four and a half tackles, uh, had a nice belly-to-back suplex that Brock Lesnar would be proud of uh, on a running play. Uh, Greg Rubin got beat deep a couple times but recovered and knocked the ball away. Uh, Dedrick Smith had two and a half tackles. Hank Pearson with a sack. Rush Lansdell with six tackles as well. So let's move now to the quarterbacks. And, and Larry, I'm just going to start with you. We'll go into the stats here in a minute. Um I'm putting the headset on you, and it is September the 1st or September 2nd, whatever. And the only thing you have to go on is the spring game. Who starts against Mississippi State? Greg and L. And, and I wrote this in, in my article, and I, this is a hill I'll die on. He looked better. And look, the eye test is, is, is part of this, guys. And, and we, can, we can argue this. Um, I, I get I got a lot of pushback from from some fans. He looked off receivers. I'm sorry, he looked off safeties. He found receivers. He made all the throws. He made the touch throws. The the screen pass on fourth down was perfect. He held the ball. He held and released at the exact right time. I can't remember if it was um, Drake or, or or if it was I don't remember who. He it was, was coffee. Um, but it was. It was coffee. It was perfect. It was just perfect. And, uh, you know, I, I just thought he should have had another touchdown. He hit Gabe Rogers in the hands of the fourth, fourth and goal situation. The first touchdown, he, he gets flushed from the pocket, goes forward, and just throws a dart on the run um, in the end zone for a touchdown. And I was just like, yeah, see, that's what we didn't have. And, again, I, I thought Seth looked – Good. He's the same Seth Hennigan we saw last year, guys. The exact same guy. He he, he was solid, but he was the, he threw behind open receivers. One of them, he had a guy wide open that he hit the receiver, but he was behind him, and the guy just couldn't quite get the ball in. Now the guy should have held on to the ball, but the ball was behind him. Period. 
and we, he did this several times. He had a wide open wheel route, and, and he hit the, the, the receiver called the ball, but he would have scored a touchdown. And it, it was just things like that over and over. And I'm sorry, but but that's just that's just I, that's I would have done that. I'm sorry. That's where I'd go with it. And and I I I do believe, guys, that if you don't let's let's put it this way. Let's see how it plays out in the fall. But right now, I would put Greg Cannell at the top of my um, quarterback chart. Just just from the eye test, I would agree. And and you bring up a great point about Seth. And, and Brian, this is what coaches talk about all the time is growth, right, from that first year to that second year. And it's pretty disappointing as a coach to hear multiple people say, you know, Seth looks just – he was, you know, he was the same kid he was last year. That That's not after a spring – something you want to hear like you want to hear oh he's stronger he's faster um there was a lot of aiming the ball too he was just kind of you know trying to direct the ball where he wanted to go instead of getting in the flow of the game and but how much of that brian do you think is maybe he's getting pushed this year whereas last year you know it was Keleon brown and peter Parrish. he wasn't really getting pushed how much do you think maybe that plays into it that grant and tevin both are probably honestly pushing him a lot more I'd say that has, you know, a lot to do with it, uh, you know, especially the, the way Grant has been playing and the, the way Tevin showed out. I, I think that, you know, he may – I don't – since I wasn't there, I can only go by what you guys and what other people have told me. But, you know, it could be, you know, trying too hard maybe. Just let the game come to you. But uh, seeing that other quarterbacks are maybe doing better than what you thought they were doing, Maybe he's, you know, just trying to do too much. But uh, I love the fact that there is a legit quarterback competition. And no matter who gets the starting job, hopefully the coaches can keep, you know, all three quarterbacks happy because, you know, as we saw last year, injuries happen and you want, uh, you know, a capable backup. And, you know, if you, if you grant, uh, rolls out there first, fine, you have a capable backup. Or if Seth goes out there first, you have a capable backup. But, yeah, I said on Greg Gaxton's show, uh, you know, weeks ago that, you know, don't be surprised if uh, Gannell gets the starting job because it's just he's finally 100% healthy. And this is what, uh, you know, Memphis was expecting last year. You know, a healthy Gannell that's making all the throws. And he had a lot of hype coming to Memphis. So, you know, the fall camp is going to be very exciting to watch. Yeah, and, and you know what helped Grant a lot that Larry touched on that screen pass is what helps Grant is his height. Like, he, you know, he doesn't get lost behind an offensive lineman or a defensive lineman. He he can still see the field, and that's something that Seth struggled with a little bit last year. That's why you, that's why you see the coaches roll Seth out. That's why they get him outside the pocket. Um, Seth ran a couple times. Grant ran a couple times. Tevin, of course, ran once or twice, um, and, and that's what – that's what you want to see is, and I think maybe Tevin is a guy to keep him happy. You almost have to say, okay, we're going to have a package of X number of plays for you per game. You know, there, there's going to be five plays where, where, you know, when we're and and they'll, they can be situational. Like it's the fourth, you know, it's, it's the second quarter. We're trying to run out the quarter. Let's put Tevin in there to maybe run the ball a couple times, hit a deep shot. You know, just you've got to be very situational and very careful with that. 
um, especially if Seth is your guy, because Seth has been pushed all this time, and now Grant's pushing him, and you bring Tevin in, and Seth tightens up, and and then you have a, a worse problem. You know what's the old saying? If you have two quarterbacks or three quarterbacks, you don't have any. But I think Tevin's a guy that you got to make some some packages for, like I thought they should have done with Jeremiah Oatesfall. You know, you got a guy that's athletic, dynamic. Put him in the game. You know, and let's just see in, in low risk situations. I'm not saying Tevin goes out the second series at Mississippi State. I'm saying Tevin comes in the game when you're playing Arkansas State and you're up 34-10 in the third quarter. You know, put him on the field, see what he can do. And like Brian said, you're, you know, you're one injury away from not having at least a safety blanket, right, of the other guy, whoever that is. Um, I'm going to be very, very curious to see how the other guy takes it because it's either going to be Grant or Seth that start. How is the other guy going to take it when it's, hey, you know, if you're Coach Silverfield, what do you do? You say, hey, here's the film. I'm a big believer in telling guys why. Like, here's the film. Here's what we've seen in practice. Here's why Seth is starting or Grant start. Just be honest with the guys and say, hey, one thing I noticed is Grant seemed to have a little more, I don't know if grasp is the right word right word to use, but he seemed to be leading the team a little more. Uh, Grant's a little more vocal. You know, that's one thing Seth said he had to work on in that last post-game presser we had. I asked him about that, and he said, I've got to work on becoming even more vocal as a leader. He said, I grew a little bit this year, but I, I've got to do more. Um, I thought Grant did a nice job of that. Again, this is the spring, and this is why – practice is so important to get to spring practice because this is not something that we just threw Grant out there and we it was a surprise this is what's been going on all spring uh it's what went on the whole spring you know Grant and Seth really pushing each other uh Tevin's playing well and this is a a, what I call a dream nightmare situation right because you have three guys playing really well but only one of them can really start so you know back to the receivers before we move on um Man, Eddie Lewis looked good. I, I, you know, I said it earlier. I had three cat, but he he looked great. He ran good routes. Um, I think Brian he might be a guy, and I'm not just saying it because you're a Rutgers guy, but I think he might be a guy that maybe steps up into that. I don't know that he's the number one guy. He might be. He might have to be. But man, he looked. He was probably the second best receiver on the field on Friday night. Yeah, Lewis has – no one's ever questioned his route running ability. It's it's actually phenomenal. It, it's always been hands. You know, can you rely on him to actually catch the ball? And that's I – mean, to be a wide receiver, you're going to – you know, you need that. And there were times last year that, you know, hands were an issue. It didn't pop up as much as it did, you know, at Rutgers. But, uh, you know, it's good to see that uh, he has progressed. And so, Larry, I want to get kind of get your thoughts here and see if they mirror mine. What were a couple of the negative takeaways you took away from the game? Um, well, one, and I wrote about this, was the pass blocking, which I thought was – so, in, in these kind of scrimmages, pretty much any pressure on the quarterback means that you're not doing your job because they're just not – geared for sacks and things like that. You're not going to hit the quarterback, right? But but they were getting pressure all night. And and that's just that's significant to me. 
The other thing that I was sort of perturbed about was the blitzing. I look, and I wrote about this too. When you blitz, if you get hit within two yards, if a blocker gets to you within two yards of the line of scrimmage, you did it wrong. It's just that simple. Like you should always be getting hit by, you know, a running back in the backfield or an H back coming back to chip or something like that. You should never be getting. And our guys, our linebackers were blitzing. We ran, by the way, we were almost exclusively ran out of the four three. And our linebackers were blitzing, and they were getting picked up, like, at the line of scrimmage. And I'm like, you're blitzing too late. So those were a couple of the negatives. Um, and we did, and, and, and I did not see a tight end catch a ball all the game. Did anybody see a tight end? Yeah, pr- uh, Priest Horn um, caught two, and I think um, Hassel caught one, and Davin Dial caught one as well. It must have, they must have been in goal line situations, because I don't remember – our quarterbacks looking for a tight end all, all game. Like I really don't. Um, but, but again, I, I, I probably just missed it. But to me, the, 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 to me, I was most disappointed. I thought the run blocking was decent. I really did. It wasn't great. Don't, don't get twisted. Like it's not great. We're not talking, you know, back, back when we had Henderson and that, that, that crew, but I, I thought it was decent. I thought the run blocking was decent. Like, they, they were getting hit until they were three or four yards down the field. That's, that's fine. You know, um, but, but the pass blocking was just, oof. Ugh. Well, my huge negative takeaway, and, you know, several, we talked about this in the press box. Special teams is going to get us beat this year. Like, it was so bad. There were two snaps that went over the kicker's head, not the, not the, not the holder, uh, one of them sailed over Caleb Hawkins' head. Now I, I don't know what was going on. I, I didn't see who was snapping. I didn't. I couldn't really, you know, tell. But man, that's going to get our butts kicked uh, this year. Uh, and and it, that was really disappointing because that's a that's a group that I expected to come out uh, with kind of the prove you wrong mentality. You know, we stunk last year. We weren't great last year. So now we're going to prove you wrong. Um, and I, I just thought the special teams unit did a was just atrocious. I I, I was stunned at how bad it was. Um, obviously, you don't get to see kickoffs or punt returns or anything like that. Um, but just the extra points and the field goals, it was it was bad. Like there wasn't a good snap all night. Like every snap, the hunt the holder had to reach or reach down or just sail over his head. Like it it was bad. And you know we joke a lot on this program about the kicking game, but. Man, that's going to get you beat like that. You just you you want the kicking game, in my opinion. And Larry says all kickers are stupid, but in my opinion, if the kicking game doesn't get you beat, you're happy, right, Brian? Like if they don't cost you anything, you're happy. They don't have to be great; they just have to be what they call serviceable, and that has just not been the case the last couple of years. Nope, I agree. I mean, you you. <laughs> You kind of Memphis that we definitely got spoiled. Uh, I mean, Memphis, even in the bad years, you had a decent, you had really good uh, special team players. I mean, you always had a, a decent punter. Uh, you had a, you know, a good punters sometimes, like very good punters. Uh, the the Aussie guy, I can't remember his name right off. Hornsey. I'm Hornsey. Yeah. Yep. Um, 
and, and kickers, uh, Paulo Enriques, you know, he was, I think he even got a crack at the CFL uh, for a year. So Memphis always had good special teams, in my opinion. And it just seems like now it's been a complete flip in the past couple of years where, you know, it's just not something Memphis fans are used to. And I think more, I don't know about more than the offensive line or wide receiver, but special teams, it has to improve because if, if you have the same F maybe not effort, but same results in special teams uh, as you did last year, you can expect some losses just because of special teams. Because I think there's, I think this year's schedule, there's going to be some close games, and you're going to have to rely on some special yep. teams. You're, you're, you and, know, and, and Brian, don't you, don't you think that that could literally be the difference between? I mean, let's face it, Silverfield's on the hot seat. I don't know how hot it is, but he's there. Um, it's warm for sure. It, it, that could literally be the difference between him keeping his job and losing it. It really could. There are so many close games this year that that it could be the difference between like ten and two and seven and five, like legit. Like I, it has to get better, and I'm sure. Look, I'm sure it will. You know, again, spring game. It's like I warn people all the time about uh, what they call it, midnight madness. Like, don't take anything you see there at face value. It is a scrimmage, but to me, the competitive side would say, you know, everybody's talking about how bad we were. Let's go out and show them how good we are. And that just, that did not happen. Um, you know, the running game, maybe it was better than I thought. We averaged almost five yards of carry. I mean, 4.85, that's, that's not bad. Um, I, I was a little concerned about the offensive line, but I thought they played good at times. They just weren't very consistent. Uh, defensively, the couple things that concerned me, we got, as Larry, as you talked about, we got nothing from the linebackers. I thought the defensive line got a decent push at times, but nothing from anybody else. And that that's going to be a problem. You know, we, we are not good enough to show up. That We saw what in this league, you can't show up for eight games. Like, you can't just say, okay, we're going to rush forward, drop eight. You're going to get slaughtered like we did last year a couple times. Um one thing that came back that wasn't here the past couple of years that was a bit of a concern. A lot of guys running free. You know, we talked about the quarterbacks throwing the ball and putting it on the money, and receivers running free. I mean, on two of Eric Rivers' three catches, there was nobody. Like he was five, six yards behind the defense. And even though Greg Rubin had a tackle and a couple pass breakups, he was beat pretty badly on both of those. He's just a good enough player that he can make up for it. But what you don't want to see, Brian, are guys relying on that to go, okay, even if I don't cover him, I can still get out there and knock the ball away because there are guys in this league that are better than anything Memphis has, and that's not a knock on Memphis, but from the wide receiver position, you can't rely on that constantly, your athletic ability. There's got to be a better focus on fundamentals and guarding the guy in the first place. Yeah, defensive line – um, I go back to, you know, the, the bad years again, you always had at least one, you know, decent uh, to good defensive lineman. I mean, Don Terry Poe was, a, 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 he was a hoss, you know, look at those teams. Those teams didn't win very much. Martin Affetti, uh, you know, so you always had at least one defensive lineman that was good. And right now, when you take a look at defensive line, is there anybody really that the other team is worried about? 
you know, you take a look at maybe Maurice White, you know, Jalen yeah. Allen, I think, you know. Yeah, is, those two guys, yeah. But other than that, I mean, there's going to be some guys that have to step up. And I know I'll talk about it a little bit later, but uh, uh, Cameron – not Cameron. Um, oh, the guy that just uh, transferred to, to Memphis. Hamilton. He's from Whitehaven. Cormonte uh, Hamilton. Hamilton, yeah. Yeah, it, he's going to help because he's a, he's a big body. That, uh, that's I, a kid I, from Ohio State, right? Yeah, yes. three-star coming out of high school, yeah. Yeah, on Rivals, he was a four-star. Okay. Now, he wanted – he was a tight end in high school. He wants to play tight end, but he's a better fit on defensive line. So what really got him sold on Memphis is that uh, Memphis is like, well, we'll, we'll give you some offensive time, but your main position is going to be defensive line. So he's another big body and, you know, but someone's – just like the wide receivers, someone's going to have to produce – uh, this year, you can't have another year of uh, just, you know, subpar, you know, play. All right. Well, let's let's move in that direction, Brian. Um, you uh, Memphis had what, roughly 45? Was it 45 visitors, something like that for the spring game? It was some absurd number. Four, yeah, it was above 40, <laughs> 45 to 48 visitors. I mean, there was a ton of visitors from the 2023 class to the 2025 class. So what did they? What were some of the things? Because I know you talked to a bunch of them. What are some of the things that they thought and that maybe stood out to them, and uh, impressed them? Hopefully to commit. Yeah, no, there's a a lot of excitement. Uh, they loved how physical uh, the game was, and in, in their in their eyes, their opinion that uh, it was very physical. They loved the brotherhood. Uh, they talked a lot about you know family. How you know a lot of them talked about Seth and and Grant. They're fighting for the same position, but there's there's love and respect between them. So it, it's it's not oh you're going to take my job I'm going to you know I'm maybe not share information with no it, it's all love it's all you know we're we're one team. So they they love the the you know that aspect of it in the coaching staff. I mean they just love Coach Silverfield, uh, uh, Coach Barnes, uh, how enthusiastic they are, uh, Coach Cramsey. Uh, so a lot of good things coming out of uh you know the spring game as far as recruits memphis did get a walk-on commit you know from from that uh, from that group but uh, nothing you know no, nothing no scholarship commits just yet but uh, it's early but uh you know if history is any indication memphis should have their first commit you know by the end of may it was quite a crowd down on the sound lines. I didn't get down there, but uh, there there were a lot. And again, they just from a distance, everybody seemed enthusiastic. Of course, it doesn't hurt that Antonio Gibson's on the sideline. Kenneth Gainwell's there. Uh, I know I'm missing somebody else that was there. Uh, Pat Taylor, Big Pat was there. You know, and that you know that breeds a little bit of excitement too. So now that that spring is behind us, August will be here before we know it. So, Larry, you are on the spot here. Other than quarterback, what are you most looking for as we move to fall camp? Well, you mentioned special teams. That's obviously – that's got to improve, and, and that's certainly a big deal. I think I'm really wanting to see how our defense adapts back to the 4-3 and um, because we all – and I think we all feel like this, that the personnel that we have generally works better with a 4-3 for a lot of reasons. 
Um, and and so by all rights, I think our defense should be solid this year. It may not be um, statistically – it should be statistically better than last year's, certainly on third down. Um, but I'll, I'll go one step further. I think we, we should be drastically improved in general. And I really want to see that coming into fall camp. Um, I want to see Barnes, you know, really incorporate the players that he has and get them um, playing better. Because they did – the blitzing side of it did not look good on, on Friday night. So, Brian, what about you? Sands quarterbacking, what's what's the one thing that you're most intrigued by at fall camp? Well, we just talked about defensive line, um, and, and here's why for me. The first three games Memphis has, Mississippi State, uh, I think, is it Navy and Arkansas State, or is there some? No, it's Navy and Arkansas State. Or Navy is it, and Ar- yeah, it's either Arkansas State or I think it's Navy and Arkansas State. Okay, but the, still, the, the first three games, you're going to – yeah, because uh, September 3rd is the Mississippi State game. You're you're going to need some pressure on, on the opposing quarterback. You know, Navy's always going to be tough, and you want to get that push off the line. And Arkansas State, there, yeah, I mean, they'll, they'll spread you out. So, you, I mean, you're going to need some pressure. for the, So, those three games, uh, I would love to see major improvement on that defensive line. And, I, you know, with the help on the way Hamilton's coming – I, I'm anxious to see how he fits in the defensive line. Does he have – he wants to be that hometown hero like, you know, Calvin Austin and Anthony Miller um, were. So can he be that leader on uh, that the defense needs? And, you know, can, can Memphis finally have a dominant defensive line like they had back, what was it, 2014, 15, somewhere yeah, around Yeah, Justin, there? beginning yep. of Justin's time. I think for me it's offensive line. They, they, they've got to be better. Like they – what we saw Friday night's not good enough. And look, they know it's not good enough. You know, we're, we're not, you know, breaking any news here. They know that they struggled. And, you know, without – you could really tell that there was no Dylan Parham out there. Um, I didn't feel like they had a quarterback out there, meaning a guy on the offensive line that kind of takes charge and like what Dylan did last year a lot, you know, get guys or in the Dust, right spots. Dustin Woodard was perfect in that. Yeah, he, you know, and that doesn't always have to be your most talented guy. In fact, it – seldom is your most talented guy, but you, you need a quarterback that says, okay, we're, you know, here's your splits, you know, make sure, you know, watch the mic. The mic is here. Like you have to have that guy to take that load off the quarterback because then otherwise the quarterbacks have to, Hey, you go here, the splits here, the gaps here, the mic is here, the sand, like you don't want the quarterback thinking about all that. Um, I think for me, it's offensive line. Can they stand up and be good on both sides of the, again, I'm not saying they have to be Alabama, but it's got to get better. Like it's, it just, it has to get a little, a lot better. Um, you know, I was intrigued. I, I saw three screen passes, Brian. I, I thought you would have, I knew you were smiling somewhere uh, yes. hearing that we threw the screen three times. We did not work the middle of the field at all. Um, that's something I want to see coming out of spring is, is can we learn how to use the middle of the field? Um you become very easy to defend when you work the margins and you work the edges and the outs and the posts, you know, you've got to lurk some seams. You got to work some square ends. You know, you, you know, you've got to, you've got to be more diverse uh, in between the hashes. And I thought that's something that Memphis struggled with a little bit on Friday. Uh, switching gears here before we wrap up, uh, speaking of recruiting, 
Penny Hardaway is no stranger to good recruiting, and he may, you know, arguably, some people think that getting Kendrick Davis from SMU might be his best recruiting job since he's been here. Other people would argue Bates and Duran, but I don't know, man. Kendrick Davis is a dynamic player. Uh, Memphis will have a true point guard, um, and that's going to be key with so many people leaving the program. You know, uh, Duran's gone. Uh, Bates is all but gone. Um, John Camden left. Tyler Harris, uh, you could take it, was asked to leave. Uh, Landers Nolly is gone. DeAndre's in the draft, so it'll be interesting to see how that pans out. Uh, but Kendrick Davis is dynamic. He, he's a dynamic scorer. He's an outstanding point guard, and he he's a guy that can really lead a team. Uh, speaking of Memphis players, Landers Nolly, we just mentioned him. He committed to Cincinnati today. So that's going to make those two games rather interesting uh, next year in league play. Uh, another note, Mark Emmert, president of the NCAA, is stepping down. No truth to the rumor that Larry Marley is going to take the position as the president of the NCAA. Uh, his first method of action. not do any worse. No. for sure. No, they wouldn't even have to pay me what they're paying Emmert. Like, they could pay me a fifth of that, and I'd do an equally terrible job. Uh, Larry's first act would be to abolish all kicking in college football. Uh, that that would be act one. Um, but no, seriously, so Mark Emmert will step down. It's really weird. It's like until they find a replacement or by June of 2023, uh, I think they're going to have a tough time finding somebody to do that job because there are not many more thankless jobs uh, in the world than the NCAA president because – you just don't have good days. Like there, there's nothing good. Um, still no word from the IARP. I think their appeal hearing is in May. Uh, so the Tiger basketball will learn a little bit about their fate then. Um, congratulations to tennis, men's tennis uh, or women's tennis won their first ever AAC championship game over the week or AAC championship over the weekend. Uh, congratulations to them. The men made the finals. So it's, um, Baseball is playing about 500. Softball looks a little better than they have in the past. So despite the fact that we haven't had a show and that it's April, it's a very busy time uh, for U of M sports. Of course, that'll start dying down here in the next couple of weeks as uh, things kind of – the semester winds up. It's hard to believe it's already May. We are not only are we through the first quarter, we are now halfway almost through the second quarter of the year. It's just uh, things are just flying by. So – well, we, we weren't going to run long tonight, and I, I keep that promise to everybody. Uh, Brian, what have you got going on over at TSR? Continue with the recruiting. I'm still talking to the recruits that were at the spring game, um, so I'll get their, their responses, and we'll get some articles out on recruiting. Larry, you got anything in the in the cooker? Well, um, I just finished the, the one on the spring game, and I will probably do a wrap-up on, I know I will. Um, as baseball closes, I'm going to do a wrap-up for Sean Rocks um, as his career comes to you know, enter retirement, I should say. Um, and so I'm going to do something for Rock because I, he's, he's been a really important part of Tiger baseball. We're going to try to do this year, too, this summer. I'm going to try to get a couple more of the Why Coaches uh, episodes in because those are so much fun and we really enjoy doing those and uh kind of gives you a little behind the scenes look i've got a couple that i'm very interested in seeing if i can get lined up for that so for the best co-co-host in all the land larry marley and brian moss this is john maddox signing off we'll talk to everybody again soon <laughs>